And uh, Travis walks through the door and he goes, you ready? And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, it's time. They're here. Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Today, my guest is Chef Chad White. Chad, welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on this. Uh, so am I. This is going to be fun. So can you get our audience up to speed? You're from Spokane. You left. You're back. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, born and raised here. Um, I grew up in the Spokane Valley. I'm a Central Valley High School graduate. Go Bears. Um, my my stepfather who raised me, his family had a dairy farm in Addie, Washington. I spent a lot of my summers there rather than hanging out with the local kids. Um, and early on just kind of generated a, a, a strong work ethic. I would say that my uncles and my grandfather and my, and my stepfather would disagree with that wholeheartedly back then. <laughs> uh, okay. Back then. Okay. But they, were, then. They, were now. they were definitely planting seeds and, and, and pushing me along the way. And I was kicking back really hard. Um, so I, you know, graduated from high school in, uh, in 2001, uh, 9-11, uh, took place right after I graduated high school. I felt, uh, motivated, um, angry, confused, whatever you could think of in that scenario that I think all of us felt. And I went straight to the recruiting office and I thought I was going to sign up for the Marines. I knew myself better than everyone else probably in that line and knew the line was way too long. And I knew I talked myself out of it. So I got into the Navy line, which was much shorter and okay. wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. I was uh, in the Navy by February of uh, 2002, sorry, January of 2002 and uh, went to culinary school. Uh, that was the only job that I, that had a rating and a technical school attached to it that I, that I qualified due to my, uh, poor effort in education. Um, I don't want to ever say poor, uh, education because I think my teachers are absolutely incredible. I was just not as, let's put it this way. I was a pleasure to have in class. That was the most common thing that you'd see on my report card. Uh, nice kid just didn't do his work. So I, I did uh, culinary school in San Antonio, Texas at the Lackland Air Force Base. And then I uh, was stationed in San Diego, California. And fast forward, I, I got married really young uh, at the age of 20. I uh, had uh, a daughter before I finished the Navy. Um, had a daughter right after I finished the Navy. Um, and around that time, I, I decided to continue my culinary career. And I took a job at the Hotel Del Coronado. Uh, opened up a slew of restaurants, ones that I owned, uh, had some pretty big failures, got the opportunity to go on Top Chef, uh, competed very well. I was a finalist. And upon finishing, I found out that my partners were deciding to close my my passion restaurant. Um, and I had a crossroads and that crossroad led home. Uh, and so in 2016, I moved back to Spokane. So what was your passion restaurant? So it was a restaurant called Komun. Uh, Komun 
was a Baja restaurant. Uh, everything that you would find in Baja from Baja Norte all the way down to Baja Sur. I did a lot of time traveling throughout Baja, Mexico and mainland Mexico also, and just fell in love with the culture and the food. My, my uh, ex-wife, uh, wife at the time was uh, from Coyuca Benitez, which is the river region outside of Acapulco. And so she taught me a lot about her family's culture and I really immersed myself in it. And to the point of going on these wild trips with these Mexican nomad hunters um, and anglers from the top of um, Baja in Tijuana, all the way down to Cabo San Lucas. Uh, and it was just really, really rad. Well, at the end of that insane trip, I opened up a restaurant called La Justina in Tijuana on a very like notorious street called revolution, uh, for partying, drugs, prostitution, everything that you, you know, a young man would be so excited about, I guess. Um, and that's where all the college students were hanging out. Uh, it was a very busy area. But when I opened the restaurant, I opened the restaurant during the time when there was a huge drug uh, problem that was happening inside of Tijuana as as it was. Uh, and it was more of a political battle between narcos and uh, the government at the time that were trying to just, just you know, basically break it all up. Um, so there was a lot of poor things going on in that time, some violence and things like that. And I chose to move there part of my divorce type situation, just trying to immerse myself. And um, after finding a sizable amount of success at that restaurant, being a white kid in Mexico, cooking Mexican food, uh, Mm -hmm. my interpretation, of course, um, I felt that I could do that same restaurant, but in Spokane under a different name because I was doing it with different partners. So I opened a restaurant called Kumun Kitchen and Tavern, and it was very ambitious. You know, it was a, a $1.3 million build out. Our lease was about $18,000 a month. We were attached to the uh, San Diego Padres baseball stadium. Oh, and okay. I was doing high end Mexican food in an area that didn't necessarily understand like what that meant, right? I was buying the same ingredients from the same restaurants that all of the fine dining French restaurants were purchasing. Um, but I was using Mexican flavors and because I was calling my food, Mexican food, they assumed that it was supposed to be a $5, one pound California burrito and didn't understand my price structure, even though I was using the same quality of ingredients that, uh, the chefs that I looked up to were using. Um, so that was the restaurant and it was, uh, it was a bang. I mean, I won chef of the year with that restaurant, best new restaurant, best bar program, all the awards that you could imagine. And then went on top chef and then came back seven weeks later to lose it all. Oh my gosh. So this is not really related to food. This is more of a business question. Mm-hmm. So sorry, mm-hmm. here's something from left field. How was it a Caucasian American opened a restaurant in Mexico? Was that, was that more complicated or was it easy? I mean, it How was, is it to open a company in a foreign country? Well, for me, it was far easier because I was not, I was not very intelligent as a businessman back then. Okay. So I didn't necessarily open a business legally, right? I partnered oh, okay. with Mexican nationals. 
Uh, They built the business through a real license and then I was an operator and I got paid to operate and, you know, they got me an apartment in TJ. I would find cash underneath my door in the form of pesos, never crossed it into the United States. I only used the money uh, to, you know, for my leisure in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So in all reality, I didn't own even a percentage of the company legally. I didn't have gotcha. an FM license. I didn't, you know, I wasn't uh, a resident of Baja, um, but they were using my name and likeness to bring attention to the project. Um, but and these guys were they were they were well known guys in the nightclub industry. Um, they uh, their parents were doctors, so they you know they had the funding and whatnot, and then they were well connected with the community, which okay. made it easy to to succeed. Okay. So then you move back home. Yeah. But I got to ask you one last question. So the Navy, this is my, my dad was a Navy guy. Uh-huh. And I, one thing I, I, up until very recently in my life, I never really understood. My dad spent two years in the Navy uh-huh. during the Korean war and he served on the USS Iowa. Okay. And, and I think that was his d- defining moment of life was we went back when, um, he was in his early eighties. We went down to the Iowa, my son and I, and my dad, we took a tour of the Iowa with him and my dad could in at that stage of his life, he wasn't in particularly good health mm-hmm. and he ran up and down the ladders on that ship. Like he was 18 years old again. It was, it was amazing to watch. Right. But he always, he always talked about the Navy, the Navy, the Navy. And then he always talked about SOS. Shit on a single. How did you go from cooking that <laughs> to, to cooking what you're cooking? I mean, did the Navy prepare? How did the Navy culinary department prepare you for what you're doing or did it? I mean, to a certain extent, right? Um, okay. There are ways that you can continue. I mean, when he was in the Navy versus yeah, now. When I'm in the Navy um, and even the, the, the sailors after I've been in the Navy, I went to a met. I was I actually the job title was mess specialist, right? Which is a very confusing okay. name. Our responsibility is to manage the messes, right? Where people, the dining halls. Um, and that could be from uh, general mess, which is all like low level enlisted to then go into chief's mess, which is all chiefs and uh, senior chiefs, right? And then uh, you can go to the wardroom and you can you can dine there and it's the people who are dining there is either um like warrant officers right Mm -hmm. so enlisted men who turned into officers uh men and women and then uh commissioned officers who went to officer candidate school uh Mm -hmm. basically a four-year college to become uh, a a career uh naval officer right right Uh, and then you have uh captain's mess and then flag mess, which is where your admirals and whatnot are dining. Right. And obviously, you're not really having a flag mess on a small ship. Uh, that's usually just going to be on an aircraft carrier, um, unless it's a fleet vessel. So um, there were there were opportunities for me to have greater uh, education in culinary arts, advanced culinary arts training, if you will, uh, along the way. And I did take uh, advantage of that as as I was able to. Um, but yeah, there was things in the, in the Navy, you know, uh, chicken, all the King and, uh, you know, uh, 
macaroni and or chili mac, um, mm-hmm. you know, your your standard stuff like that. I don't even think we served SOS, but like one or two times, right? Because I mean, yeah. it's not good for you. No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and by the time that I had gotten into the Navy, they were making this big change as to how they were providing nutrition in a way that helped get helped sailors reach the best performance that they could provide. Okay. Right. Um, and just, just different, different human beings back then versus, versus. Right. Oh yeah. No, he was, yeah, he served in the Korean, the Korean conflict. And, you know, so that was, it was wartime and, um, you know, and he, but anyway, I just, I always, I just, I chuckle because that's my connection to the Navy is that my, through my father from, (laughs) that'd be what, 70 years ago, you know? Yeah. And, And I, so then you say your your first job out of the navy is the hotel Coronado, and I'm just like, right. Huh. Well, and wow, good for you. And to back that up, right? So I had some culinary. I, I think I had a good amount of culinary knowledge from techniques. But when I the thing that I had the best of right was leadership, discipline, tenacity. Um, work ethic, all of those kinds of things. Right. And that proved to be far more valuable to my new chefs who were managing me once I left the Navy, because Mm -hmm. you can't teach that in the amount of time or with our human resources requirements nowadays, uh, Mm -hmm. like you could in the military, right? Like, I mean, it's forced. You, you either act this way or there's going to be a consequence. And nowadays, like depending on how you communicate to your team and our industry specifically, especially as chefs in the kitchen, you know, there's that saying, if you can't take the heat, get out. Right. Mm -hmm. It still applies a little bit, right? Like our kitchens are a little bit cutthroat. They're a little Mm -hmm. more difficult than your nine to five corporate style environments. And I think that we're slowly getting into uh, a, a better place. I, I know at least on my team, how I coach is very different, but a lot of the kids that had the best talent on the teams outside of the Navy at the hotel Dell were just, they had the worst work ethic ever. And they gotcha. were, uh, sabotaging and, you know, they're trying to qu- climb this ladder, but at the same time, they're trying to like sniper somebody out in the walk-in in the midst of it all. And so I didn't buy into a lot of that BS. I dove in and wanted to learn because at that moment, that's all I wanted to be was a chef. Right. Okay. So let's, let's flash forward. Now, now you move back to Spokane. Mm -hmm. Nothing changed, right? Spokane was exactly the same as when you left it. Oh, a lot, Nothing. A lot of changed, but, but, <laughs> uh, but yes, it was, it was still very familiar. Right. You know, it's, it's, yeah, Spokane is, oh, we won't, I won't, I won't bore you with my thoughts on Spokane. I'll just say that it's become, growing up, I never thought much of Spokane. Mm-hmm. Growing up on the West side, there was this disdain for Spokane. And I'll tell you what, we live in Wenatchee now, so I live in the middle of the state. I can get to Spokane just as easily as I can get to Seattle. Nine times out of 10, we'll go to Spokane. Wow. Uh, it's just, we go see, we go, well, we did, we go see bands play at the, um, first interstate. Mm-hmm. Was it Plaza center, whatever it's called. Right. Okay. And then 
seven minutes after the concert's over, we're in the bar at the Davenport right across the street. Right. I love that. Um, people are friendly. It's a, it's a cool town. People are really friendly here. Yeah. Really. So you, and I don't know that it was maybe that case when you were growing up, maybe it was maybe just, you know, but now we're dealing with Spokane now. So you come home. What was the first restaurant you opened up when you came to Spokane? Zona Blanca Ceviche Bar. Okay. So uh, Mexican (laughs) uh, raw fish dish that seems like hardly anyone knew what it was. Yeah. Uh, To the point where my landlord wasn't really sure if he was going to lease me the space due to the concept that I was putting together um, because the only thing that I could afford was in a rough part of town. Okay. Okay. Leaving San Diego, closing a restaurant, uh, learning a valuable lesson of in business of don't sign checks. You can't cash. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I signed personal guarantees on stuff I should not have because I wasn't the individual that had the finances, my partner. Gotcha. And I got stuck with the bill when they decided to close the restaurant and not pay their bill. So I was sued. Uh, I was sued for money that I hadn't made accumulatively in three years. So it was, it was very scary. So I couldn't open up this like glorious restaurant. Chad White returns from, you know, (laughs) being in the Navy on top chef. Right. Like, I mean, it was, it was an interesting thing moving back here because I landed in Spokane and within four hours of landing, I had a reporter on my doorstep. It was very, wow. it was very weird and new to me because I, I mean, I've, I've had press in San Diego and I made a really good name for myself and I was in magazines every single month, but I, mm-hmm. I didn't have the press of like national televised press. So, okay. um, it was this weird, like, I had to learn a lot about myself. And so I opened a restaurant on Madison uh, in between first and second Avenue and right next to a, uh, a shelter. Um, so there was a lot of activity around. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in Tijuana and certain parts of San Diego, I was always I was used to that. And it didn't okay. bother me at all. But some of the clients that we had when we first opened up Zona Blanco were like, ugh, clinching purses. And I don't know if I want to park my car here. Like there was a lot of activity on that street, whether it was possibly drugs, whether it was just homeless people, whether it was whatever you want to call it, it just was uncomfortable for some people. And so we had some uphill battles to climb, um, in, in making guests feel welcome, um, without alienating our neighbors. Right. Cause th- there's nothing I can do about that. And I'm also not the type of person to go out and spray down sidewalks, if you know what I mean. Right. Um, it's not in my nature. And, and quite frankly, we tried to do the best that we could as being neighbors and, and provide meals where we could. Um, okay. so yeah, it was just a really big uphill battle. Uh, and our restaurant, the entire space of our kitchen itself was 400 square feet. And it was tucked in the back of a dive bar called Steel Barrel Tap Room, uh, which was really cool and young operators. And there was an incubator brewery attached to it. So they were trying to bring up this beer culture and giving 
young brewers who had a dream that were home brewing and the opportunity to get on a smaller level brewing system to build their product and get their stuff out in front of the community and then go off and do their own thing. Okay. So, and that's kind of what I did there. So Spokane's kind of meat and potatoes. Yes. And you're serving raw fish. Raw fish. How did you, how did you spread the word? How did you, how did you, how did it, what did you do to get people to come in? How did you sell this? If you will. I mean, I mean, I was pretty lucky in all okay. reality, right. Coming off of a nationalized television show. I mean, right. while I was, I think the last episodes, if not close to the last episodes were still airing when I opened up Zona Blanca. Oh, okay. So okay. I moved here December of 2016 or sorry, 2015. And I opened up Zona Blanca May of 2016. Okay. So that you did have that, the, the show was still, you were fresh in people's memories. Absolutely. And when okay. I got here, I didn't, I was working, right? Like I was already, um, the, the thing about our industry is we get contacted a lot for charity. So I got to work right away. One, I reached out to the biggest players in, in Spokane uh, at the time, Jeremy Hansen that had Sante and a slew of other restaurants, Tony Brown with Ruins and Stella's and Red Band and Hunt and Ivan, uh, Adam Hegstad with his group, um, and then Durkins um, with Deb uh, and, um, and Ben. And just started doing pop-up dinners with, with like the, the like relationship of saying, I don't want anything from you guys. I just want to become friends and understand what this uh, city is like, because I I'm unfamiliar at this point. I mean, I know where I grew up, but I don't talk to the same people I talked to when I was 17, 18, 19 years old. And I didn't mm -hmm. visit a lot because um, I had a family early. Um, so I didn't know anything about the city and every time a reporter would call up, I'd answer. Uh, every time uh, somebody um, would call up, you know, let's say it's the LC booster club wanted to uh, do a, a thing. Um, then I would donate a, a dinner for 10 people and it would go for three, $4,000. Right. And so as soon oh, as that okay. one went for that, then I was doing them all over the place and it wasn't costing me anything but my time and I was building my popularity among the city. Uh, right. before I okay. That's great. Open. So that okay. was, that was it. And then I also realized there was a lot of sushi restaurants in Spokane. So you can eat Japanese raw fish. You better be able to eat some Mexican raw fish. Well, where are you getting your fish from? Uh, a lot of our stuff is flown in just from different places. Um, okay. so our tuna coming from Hawaii, um, our octopus coming from Spain, uh, you know, here now, you know, we have lobster coming from, from Maine and, and British Columbia, um, shrimp coming from uh, Mazatlan, which is, you know, in my opinion, the shrimping capital of all of Mexico, if not some of the best shrimp in the world. Um, and right. so we, you know, I was pulling food and product from places that I was already familiar with doing business in San Diego for the last decade. So they're flying stuff into Spokane International Airport. You're oh, yeah. you're going and picking up a, a case of tuna from Alaska Airlines. Super easy. <laughs> and a lot of places, you know, like um, 
Foods in Season out of Oregon, um, Taylor Shellfish Farms, a lot of them just FedEx direct to your door. Sorry, I'm just kind of chuckling, for you, but, but you're right. It, it, okay. So after, after this, what was, what was your, what was next in your journey? Cause we're not done yet. Well, yeah. I mean, maintain, right. Uh, I had opened up this, this restaurant and I opened it up with two high school students. Um, oh, wow. A girl named Lexi and a girl named Kendra. And how I got to know them was I did a, uh, a cooking demo at LC for their pro start program, uh, okay. which now I, I head up that program, uh, for the east side of the state with the Washington Hospitality Association. I, I'm the uh, education chair. Um, and so I got to know them I, through that, that program. And their, their father was a big, uh, well, one of them, their father was a big fan of mine. He, he worked with P&W Co-op, which was um, a, a program that was with lentils and garbanzo beans and all that stuff that were coming out of the Palouse. Um, and so they came to work for me and, and we... We worked our tails off to two miners and myself and uh, in a dive bar, in a dive bar. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, it was wild. It was it was really, really exciting and it was very hard work. And we, we weren't doing it easy. We weren't cutting any corners. We were doing it right. Um, and it was it was the first time that I owned a business all on my own without anyone attached to it. Uh, mm-hmm. we almost paid off the entire, uh, business in the first six months, which wow. was really exciting. I mean, granted, we only spent 40 grand to open it. So, but for Still. somebody coming off of, a, of, of getting sued, uh, that was a hard, that was a hard thing to do for me. Um, but then, you know, so we stayed our course for about two and a half years and, uh, my landlord, uh, really believed in me, uh, Chris Batten and his wife, Ivy Batten from Rencorp. Um, they saw the work ethic. Uh, they saw the discipline. They noticed um, that I, I wasn't going to give up. And I had some bumps and bruises along the way, and they helped me through it. Um, and I kept my word. And they started showing me other places and said, you know, do you think that you're ready to do another project? We have some other places that, you know, would likely only cost this much. We'd be willing to uh, carry a note for you. And okay. um, what do you say? And, and we decided to open up High Tide Lobster Bar. Um, and we did that in the Skywalk, uh, February. Actually, today is our two-year anniversary. Okay. Um, and we reopened High Tide Lobster Bar's first location today for the first time since being closed for a year. Wow. Okay. So pretty, pretty exciting day for me, actually. Um, yeah, well, thanks for making the time today to talk. My pleasure. So we opened up uh, high tide lobster bar and I spent about uh, two and a half months building a lot of hype in Spokane about it. I started to do some little pop-ups here and there, um, you know, took a trip over to, to Portland, Maine, um, you know, ate more lobster than my body could handle. Uh, they should have been handing me angioplasty with every lobster roll, uh, they gave me. Um, I definitely had a cholesterol issue after that. Um, but so we built a bunch of hype over it. We opened up in the skywalk above the numerica bank on Riverside. And first we're bringing in live lobster, which was a mistake. 
okay. honorable mistake, but a mistake, um, because within an hour and a half, I sold out. Oh. Open the door. Oh. Um, which people in Spokane do not like to be told they can't have what they want. Uh, it's not okay. a place that is used to long lines uh, at a chance of getting a meal, right? Uh, okay. Very reservation heavy uh, environment, um, which not knocking them for that. I just spent a lot more time in different areas where you stood on the street and if it was raining, snowing or whatever, and you didn't get a bite to eat, that was the risk you made and you should have got there earlier. Right. Um, okay. we had to have a little bit of grace with our, with, uh, with Spokane, uh, on that. And so we had to close for two days to get the next round of lobster in. Uh, so I had to make a change very, very quickly. And I, and I, I flew, um, to Maine and talked to some, some brokers and, uh, gave them the recipe that I was looking for, um, that I wanted them to replicate it. And I said, you know, what would it cost if you guys, um, you know, caught your lobster, cooked it according to my recipe, back sealed, uh, flash froze and then sent it over to me. Uh Um, and they said, we'll give it a try. This is what it would cost. Um, and I started getting to work with a broadliner. Uh, so I contacted Cisco, uh, Cisco foods. And I asked them, Hey, if, if I broker a relationship with these guys and I agree to buy X amount, um, you know, this is the amount that I'm willing to pay whatever you can get it for less than that, that's on you. Um, Mm -hmm. can we make this work? And so we all got in a, in a, on a call together and worked it out. And, and now I have lobster that's prepared for me, uh, on the East coast and then flown to me here. Uh, so I could, so I could keep up with the demand. So I'm going to stop and ask, cause what, once again, lobster rolls, not necessarily Spokane, what was the, what was your inspiration for that? I mean, I mean, I, I'm a seafood guy. I mean, I've, that's okay. my, my career uh, has been around seafood. I have some, some pretty interesting stories to tell on that. Um, but yeah, I, I've fallen in love with seafood, which is goofy, right? Meat and potatoes kid. Uh, <laughs> I grew up eating steak all the time, uh, especially having a dairy farm. Um, but then falling in love with seafood while I lived in San Diego um, and I just felt like, why can't we have really good quality seafood here? There's a great seafood uh, shop in Coeur d'Alene. Why can't we have a good one here? And the one that we had here closed, excuse me, within like two months of me moving here. So, okay. um, and I, and I know where and how far seafood travels, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of our sea urchin comes from Japan. A lot of our sushi grade fish comes from Japan. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's individually vacuum sealed and frozen um, Mm -hmm. at a a very, you know, a lot different than how we freeze things, right? They drop it into a liquid that is, you know, like liquid nitro, if you will, and freeze it within just a couple seconds. Uh, So you're, you're, you know, you're freezing at the peak of your, your, uh, of your freshness and things like that. But people here frozen, they go, holy crap, this guy's serving us frozen fish. He doesn't know what he's doing. You know, he's definitely from Spokane. Right. (laughs) And uh, there was a lot of education that I had to provide and and it was really difficult. But for me, it was, why can't we have this here? Okay. 
All right. All right. So you've got two, two lobster rolls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We opened the first one February of 2019 and we opened the second one, uh, November of 2019. Uh, okay. it created a crazy cult following. And I don't know if you're familiar with the skywalk system, but uh, a little bit, very little. Our, our space, our first space is located in the numerica building. Within a week, we would have lines, and I kid you not, for about 45 days where the line would start at our space in the Numerica building. It would cross Stevens into the U.S. Bank building. It would go down the hallway, hang a right, pass the escalator, hang another left uh, towards the, the skywalk, and then start into the Paulson building. It was crazy. I mean, it was, that is, it was a frenzy. So how, how many were you serving a day? Once we got everything down, we were serving between uh, 190. And I think our biggest day we sold was like 325 rolls. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It was, it was wild. We would start our day and we were only serving one kind of lobster roll at the time. And it was our new England. So it was cold mm-hmm. lobster um, tossed in a tarragon and lemon mayo and then put in a, a butter uh, New England style split top roll. And we would pre-package about 30 minutes before we open our door, 75 of them mm-hmm. to get a head start. And we just keep replenishing and replenishing and replenishing. And we were doing this with three employees. Okay. And that space was 297 square feet. Okay. It was, it was a, uh, it was lobster war. (laughs) Lobster war. (laughs) Okay. All right. Now you've got, so what's your, what's TT's old iron brewery? So um, this is kind of a fun, like full circle conversation. So uh, at the first Zona Blanca, um, they had the incubator brewery uh, program. Travis Sass, uh, who is my business partner with TT's started TT's old iron brewery, uh, in there was okay. a, a 25, uh, year employee with Frito-Lay as a storeroom manager. And that okay. was his, his side passion project was one welding, uh, restoring model T cars and home brewing. But he wanted, to, okay. he wanted to basically, he knew that he didn't want to be at Frito-Lay for the rest of his life. And he loved brewing beer and his friends told him his beer was great. And so he got in on, on, uh, as one of the first three breweries at the incubator, uh, did a great job with marketing, uh, did a great job, um, running around town and getting samples to people, getting his beer into different, uh, bars as well as serving it right there at the steel barrel tap room, uh, and built a great following. Um, and he reached out to me, Early in, I'd say, or no, late in 2018, said, hey, man, I'm looking to do my own thing. Would you be interested in consulting on the food? I have no idea what I'm doing with food, but I, you know, I'm doing pretty good on the beer part. And I said, yeah, man, of course. I really liked his work ethic. I hit him as a, as a father and a human being was really rad. Um, and so we started looking around. Uh, and the first place we looked at was a, a shop that I used to detail cars at when I was in high school. Uh, on, on okay. And then uh, we couldn't get uh, 
soil samples from there. Um, so we couldn't oh. get a loan. We were just going to buy the building and, um, you know, kind of were deflated after that. And then, uh, one day he was driving by, uh, driving on Dishamica on the way to his house, uh, going the back way, uh, through Valley Ford. And he's like, Chad, I just found this building. It's for lease. And you're not going to believe the lease rate on it. And I'm like, tell me about it. And he's like, it's massive. It's like 4,500 square feet. This is way bigger than what we need, but the rate is great. You want to come take a look at it. And I didn't exactly know where he was talking about. And then when I showed up, it was like, it was perfect. Right. Uh, super nostalgic for me. I went to junior high at horizon junior high. That was a quarter mile away from there. I spent most of my time, uh, as a young man during the school year in those neighborhoods, go into the Chester store, which was right across the street from us to get ice cream. They would serve Thrifty's ice cream there. And um, I was like, Travis, this is, a fit. this is a spot. We have to get this. Let's let's do it. Um, and so a few things back and forth, our, our lawyers started talking. And they're like, you guys need to do this 50-50. Um, and that was a big jump. And I just said, hey, man, if there's anybody that's going to work as hard as I am, it's going to be you. Um, and so we, we signed on the dotted line and, uh, Travis, you know, dumped all of his life savings into it. And I did what I could on my end and, and, uh, and we built this thing and man, I'm going to tell you, it took us almost a year to build it. And on our opening day, we opened on, on father's day. Okay. Before we opened that, I maybe have smoked three briskets in my entire life, but I, oh. but I've ate a lot of brisket. Okay. Uh, and I've traveled a lot and I've had really good barbecue and, you know, we, we took the show on the road and did our R and D and Travis wanted to build the smokers, um, cause he's oh. you know, a welder and, um, he really geeked out on it and looked, you know, found calculators online to get the maximum airflow and all these different things. And he put in like old, you know, uh, Ford parts on it. And I mean, he, was just, he just geeked out and had a blast. And, um, I had met this guy named, uh, Colin Barker, who was a pastor at the time. And, uh, he, uh, had a mutual friend of mine with Falco's barbecue and said, you know, Hey, um, I'm going to need some help with this. Uh, I know good barbecue. I don't know how to prepare a good barbecue, um, you know, what's your experience? And he's like, Hey, you know, I do backyard barbecue, but I've never done it on a commercial level, but I'm up for a challenge. And so we went to work and we started testing things and, um, we thought we had a good, a good plan in place. And, uh, I was only going to be able to get him there for, for part-time work because he was a full-time pastor and probably a little bit more ambitious than, than I think I would have done where I'm at right now. Um, but the lessons that we learned and, and the success that we had from it at the same time makes me feel like I can go and do anything. Uh, okay. So we opened the restaurant on, on Father's Day. Um, I pulled my first ever pit position. Uh, I got there, I think it was three o'clock in the morning the day before and stayed the entire time. Uh, prepping, cutting, smoking, rubbing, all the things that you do on these very inefficient smokers. Um, oh. And I was there by myself through the night. Travis woke me up at about 5.50 a.m. 
I had just fallen asleep in a chair. Uh, my head had dropped and he's like, I just heard him laughing and I'm like, Oh crap, I got to get all this stuff out of the smoker. And I'm trying to wrap brisket and do all these things that I've never done before other than like on a very small level. Um, and we prepared enough food for 600 people. So I, my, my team shows up and I tell them, Hey, listen, you know, can you please make sure that all of our guests line up around the smoker this direction and around and down Bowdash. And they're like, yeah, chef, we got this. And I start to begin to freak out, right? Because as we're getting closer to the time, my pit master that I've hired is, is at church preaching. I have some individuals who said that they were good at what they did, but I needed to provide better coaching. Um, and I'm questioning my abilities and I'm questioning whether or not Spokane's going to come out and support me because nobody's lined up around the smoker. They've lined up down the street, the other direction. Right. And so I think okay. Cody's there and my girlfriend shows up and she's like, I'm so happy for you. And I'm, I'm not with it. I don't want to have a conversation. I'm stressed out. I can't think. And she's like, Chad, you're, you're kind of freaking your team out. You need to figure this out. And I'm like, I don't know if I can, if I can fix where I'm at, like everyone needs to step up. We all need to do this together. Blah, blah, blah. Was not being a good leader at that moment. And I said, nobody's here. There's not a soul here. And I have, you know, $5,000 worth of meat on the smoker right now. And I'm about to lose my shorts. And we just did almost a million dollar build out. Like I, I felt like I was in San Diego again. I felt like I was about to right. everything that I had just built. So every worry that you could imagine was there. And my girlfriend's like, Chad, there's plenty of people here. And I was like, you need to stop. Right. Like, cause I thought she was just messing with me and we were pretty early on in our relationship. And uh, Travis walks through the door and he goes, you ready? And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, it's time. They're here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, follow me. And I walked outside and people were lined up and we have a, a pretty large parking lot, about 40 car spaces. They had lined up mm -hmm. the opposite direction. They had hugged the building around the dumpsters across the parking lot onto the street and all the way down to the grocery store a quarter mile away. And I, Oh my gosh. I just started crying because <laughs> oh I was gosh. like, Holy crap. Like I was no longer worried about did Spokane come out and support. I was worried Am I going to let do we have enough down? food? Well, I didn't care if we had enough food. Am I going to let them down? Is this good enough? Right. Right. Well, I right. Built a reputation. I, at this time I had one chef of the year, two years in a row. I had all these accolades. Um, I was, you know, I was batting, you know, the best average you could, that you could get. And right. this was going right. to be the one that, that ruined me. Um, and it wasn't, it was, it was a smashing awesome. success. And, uh, we absolutely crushed it um, all the way up until we hit, uh, you know, obviously COVID-19. Uh, and then we were able to find ways to pivot and keep it going. And we found ourselves on on an even better side of success, uh, even through COVID. You know, I mean, granted, we're down a million dollars in sales, right? That's hard for anyone to handle. But the lessons that were learned and kind of like what you were asking earlier we found out that we've been operating our businesses so fat and so irresponsibly um, when we had to immediately 
change everything overnight. And now okay. we operate intelligently and lean and we understand, you know, how to be efficient and, and do it in a cost effective way that is that has allowed us to, you know, not only get through this pandemic to this point, but find even greater success, not not with just finances, but with our team and our leadership and and it's been it's been a reward in with if anything. Wow. So I've got I've got lots of questions from that, but um Zona Blanca new location. Yes. So coming soon. Yeah, coming coming really soon. Hopefully. Okay. Hopefully the first week of April. Okay. We we have moved uh, approximately six blocks east of our old location uh, into the Holly Mason building, uh, which if you know anybody went to high school at LC in the last, I'm going to say, decade and a half, um, when LC was being remodeled, this building is what ha- housed LC students. Okay. The location that uh, that we're going into specifically was the old Rocket Bakery, um, which is a, a very popular coffee shop and bakery in town. Um, and we secured this space, I think, in September. We were hoping to be open the first week of November, um, but as all things that have happened in this last couple of year or last couple of months in the last year uh, that, that was not in the cards and, and we're almost finished with construction and, and really excited about, uh, about reopening and, and the offering that we're going to provide, you know, Zona Blanca was just a ceviche shop with a couple sandwiches and tacos on Tuesdays. And every once in a while we do some things and I would do private dinners in the back that were, you know, really high end, uh, mostly like pharmaceutical dinners. Um, and now we're going to have an oyster bar and tacos and ceviche and tostadas and entrees and whole lobsters and margaritas and, and, uh, TT's, uh, has brewed two, uh, uh, private label beers for us. So we have those beers okay. on tap and also in cans and it's going to have a really cool outdoor patio. Um, that's going to look like, you know, a Mercado, uh, in, in the centers of, of large Mexican cities, um, which is, is going to be really exciting. We brought up chefs from Los Angeles and San Diego. Um, you know, when I, I formed a, a hospitality group and we can get to that a little later, but I brought up uh, a mentor of mine, uh, to help build that company. Um, and then we found a very young, talented chef out of Los Angeles by the name of Gina Pekka and a good uh, friend of hers who is a very talented baker named Xavier Reyes. And they're going to they're gonna run the, the project together with a, with a bar manager that we haven't quite sourced yet. So we're, man, I, I, I have goosebumps talking about it um, because it's like that, it's like that child you know, like that, that you've raised to go off and, and, and do great things, uh, in the world, but you're, you're not quite sure. Right. You're like, Oh, will he right. get it? Will he ever move past his bonehead movements? And, and, and then you're like, Oh crap, he did it. And so that's, that's what Zona Blanca is to me right now as, is a giant, uh, success story, but with many years to come. That's, that's awesome. <sighs> 
I, I've got lots of questions and they're going to totally throw you off the, 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 the path you've been going oh, on. But, so when I was uh, doing a little research to find out about mm-hmm. you, I ended up just starting to watch this, this video called Chad White and cookbook author, Laura Randolph cook with instant pots. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, and I only, I don't know how far I got in, but I have one specific question. Why were you using a torch on the chorizo? I needed to get smoke. Okay. I was just, that caught my, I'm like, what's he doing? <laughs> and then, and then, we, then that's about when you got on the line. So I didn't get any farther than that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, if you, if uh, obviously with the instant pods, we don't, with, there's no grill or anything like that. And so uh, using the torch allowed me to, to render the fat and kind of like turn the fat into smoke and uh, it perfumed the food. Thank you. I was okay. There. So we got, we got a cooking lesson yeah. for this episode. We're there. We're, there we go. The other question I have is, are you going to, would you do another um, TV show? Would you, would you go on another competition? Yeah. You know, I get asked this question quite a bit and I think the truth of the matter is I don't know. Um, Okay. There's, there's fear. Um, And then there is time um, the time commitment that comes with it. Um, and if anything, I have a team now that could support me to keep me, um, in the right place. Mm-hmm. But, but then there's, is it time to give the team that we've been building that opportunity for that spotlight? Uh, oh, okay. and so I'm, I'm, I'm battling those kind of three different things. I'm scared to death to go on a show again. Right. I mean, uh, it, it gave me a, a lot of opportunity, that I may not have had otherwise. Um, there's pros and cons with that, right? There's an overwhelming sense of confidence or cockiness uh, that comes from that. And then learning that uh, nothing's, nothing's going to work out the way you expect it to work out. Uh, I don't care what plan or recipe that you put together. Something's always changing. You have to adapt. Um, and fear of failure. If I go on the show, and I completely botch it. Is it going to have uh, an effect on my on my businesses? Um, and I and I probably shouldn't worry about that. You know the the products in the in the pudding, right? Like if I'm if my restaurants here are successful because people enjoy the environment, the the food and, and whatnot, it it doesn't matter if I go on a show and just completely fail and get kicked off in the first episode. Um. Or at least I think it doesn't. I don't know. Well, I, 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 my opinion for what it's worth is I don't think it would would matter either. How long? How long? How long were you? How long did it take to film that that show? Though, how long that were you? Um, yeah. I was quarantined for lack of yeah. better terms, um, or sequestered for seven full weeks. In Los Angeles. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, so two months, two months, that's all no real outside communication. If you will, you, everything was for that show. That's a lot of time. Phone calls, one to my kids, one to my business partner and one to my mentor. That's it. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about your hospitality group. Yeah. What's, 
what's 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 in the works there is there anything in the works that you can share oh my goodness <laughs> yeah so the hospitality group was was created because i was trying to find ways to support my businesses that were on hold due to the mm-hmm. to the pandemic and i started doing some consultancy with uh, a couple places around town uh, one of them being Arborcrest Winery, which is, you know, an, an iconic winery in Spokane, uh, arguably the, the most beautiful view you, you can have in this city, uh, especially at a, at a winery. Um, and they were looking to potentially add food to their to their their uh, establishment. And they didn't really have a lot of space. And, and so I started, you know, working with them and I needed to be you know, I thought about I needed to be insured and I needed to have a company that that could bill for the hours. And it wasn't just me um, because I didn't want uh, my name to have, you know, to be able to have to pay all the taxes and all those things. And uh, I realized having my name as a sole proprietor and things sometimes uh, puts me in a, in, in a vulnerable situation um, and it wasn't my business. So I wanted to protect myself. So I built an LLC called Chad White Hospitality Group. Um, and I think when I first did it, it was really just about, all right, well, this is going to be a small little consulting thing. I'll do some business consulting. I'll do some social media and marketing consulting. I'll do some, some restaurant stuff. Um, and then we'll see where it takes it from there. And then I just got a wild hair up my ass. Uh, <laughs> I, I asked my, my best friend and mentor, Hannes Cavan to, to come up from San Diego and take a look at, look at my different operations. Right. And I was originally, I wanted to hire him as my pit master for, for TTs. And I had offered him a job, you know, a a year ago or a year and a half ago now. And he was just getting ready to open a barbecue restaurant of his own. And so it just wasn't good timing. And at this time he was like, no, I'm, I'm ready. I need a change of pace. Uh, let me come up and take a look at what you're talking about. And I, you know, I gave him a tour and he's like, dude, you've been so happy up here. Every time I see you, um, you're just, you're just full of so much life, you know? And I feel like I'm dying down here in San Diego and I, you know, I've been here all my life and this and that, but I just, I really need to change a pace. And he was going through some marital things at the time. Um, and so um, I brought him up and, and he's like, I get it. I see it. Like, this is, this is insane. You know, and he was the one that actually moved me here, uh, when I first moved up in, in 2015. Um, so, uh, he, you know, I, I gave him an offer letter, uh, while he was driving down and, uh, within like 20 minutes of me sending the offer letter, he said, I'll be back in three weeks. Uh, okay. and then I had to like go, Oh, Oh crap. I need to make this work. I got to do yeah, it. I need to make this work. Like this is, this is now it. And, um, when he came up, we just, we just, we created, uh, we built out a kitchen at Arborcrest. We, uh, helped their team, um, in a lot of different ways. We put together a really rad Mediterranean menu that he and I uh, had to do a lot of research and development on. Uh, and it was very successful and, and, uh, it landed us Mount Spokane, uh, to do business up there. And 
And then we, we brought on a marketing arm uh, named Wendy Hot, uh, and she had just left the uh, Coeur d'Alene uh, Resort as their events marketing manager. Um, and it just kind of snowballed. It was just like, oh my gosh, like this thing is moving much faster than we expected to. But, you know, we're, we're in a good spot on this wave. Let's keep riding it. Um, and then let's start, let's start building the team. And I knew like I needed help getting Zona Blanca reopened up. I needed help, you know, managing the team at all the different projects. Um, and Han has had so many years of, of, you know, I mean, he's 51 years old. He's got quite a few years on me, a lot more knowledge, um, patience and understanding, um, and, and a lot more, um, in my opinion, talent than, than I have. Um, and so I brought him up and said, dude, I, I know what I know and I know what I don't know. And you know, a lot of shit I don't know. And, uh, let's just build this thing. And, and he started working with every single team member that we had. And we started having, you know, leadership meetings and, and, you know, picking up the pieces that I was leaving behind. Um, and he turned over every single rock and we just started fine tuning things. And it's been, man, it's been like gasoline to a fire every day since. Um, so that's, that's where that's at. And we have a couple other concepts that we want to launch, um, in the next probably two to three years. And now it's coming to that point where people are contacting me all the time. Hey, I've got this location. I'd be willing to carry the note or invest or so on and so forth. And, you know, I think the lesson that we've learned this year more than anything is how to say no. That's a, that's a really good lesson. It's one that I'm not quite grasped. <laughs> yes, I understand. I, I've heard the theory that it's a really good lesson. How's that? Theory, it's a good lesson. I don't know that I've grasped it either, but that's a really, really, you know, smart position to be in. Because that's kind of what I was going to ask you. So, like, what's next? But before we hit record, you've got some, you got a, something coming out in a couple of weeks from now at the time of this is being recorded. Um, why don't you share a little bit about that with us? Yeah. So um, a couple of years back, I started working with uh, Spiceology um, and they are uh, an incredible Spokane born spice company um, that has exploded. I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's a better way to explain it. Um, Pete and Heather, who, who, who started the company, uh, basically in Pete's garage. Um, I don't know what they were watering this thing with, but Holy crud. They, when I came on board, I think they only had about 40 or 50 SKUs, uh, in different spice blends. And that was their focus, right? It was more of a consumer brand. Uh, they weren't quite into food service yet, or they were just dabbling in that area. Um, but so they were in, you know, Williams Sonoma and a lot of the grocery stores and, and, and things like that and doing some private label work. Um, and when I, when I got to them, they had just moved to uh, a building. I think it was like three or 4,000 square feet. And I worked with them for about six or seven months, um, helping grow uh, their social media account. Um, I helped them with a merger with um, True Cooks, which is a, a 
uh, a cook's clothing lifestyle brand. Um, and then we started diving into food service. And my job was to run giveaways and go on culinary trips and bring up, you know, develop tons of content um, and then get product in front of food service professionals, right? And, you know, our first, you know, go was that we were going after the hotels because those are really big accounts. And, you know, most restaurants, even uh, smaller restaurants, you know, like High Tide Lobster Bar spends, you know, roughly three to $4,000 a year in spices, right? Maybe okay. a little bit less. But a, but a hotel may spend twenty thirty thousand dollars $30,000 in spices. Um, and so to secure, you know, accounts like that and you secure 20, 30, 40, 50 of them, then you're able to start growing. And what they were really good about was they took almost every penny that was earned and put it back into the company. They didn't go out and play. Um, and I really respected that. Um, I didn't quite understand it, but I respected it. Um, and they brought on investors, um, they went out and did capital raises, uh, you know, into the millions and things like that. And then realized, you know, Hey, when you bring on like a real marketing professional, we need to bring on a graphic designer. We need to bring on a video content creator. Um, I started going after all kinds of, um, like high level social media influencers, right? So barbecue guys that had already a hundred thousand followers, 50,000 followers, so on and so forth. And right. just reaching out to them saying, Hey, can you try these products? Would you, you know, post something about them? We reached out to top chef to try to get them on top chef and these barbecue competitions. And I started going around to all the different trade shows with them. And, um, I came to kind of a, a crossroad where Pete said, Hey, you're either going to come on and do this, you know, full time with us and walk away from your restaurants or, you know, this isn't going to work. And, you know, my passion was, was food and, and uh, although they align, right. It, I wanted to be in my restaurants and I, you know, I'm still passionate about being, you know, the best chef. So mm -hmm. I turned down the opportunity, but said I would continue to be involved in, in your company, however possible. Um, and they had made me kind of, you know, a pseudo face of the company at the time. And, um, it was really exciting. But after I left, a lot of things started to change. Um, and like for the really good. Um, and they got real ballsy and, and for good reason. And now they're just, they're, I mean, they're, they're incredible. Um, I think they were uh, a fortune 500 company this year, um, which is, which is really, really rad. It's either that or a fortune thousand company. I can't remember, but that's still they, huge. That's yeah, huge. I mean, they just, they've done a really great, a guy named Chip Overstreet came on and took over as CEO and, um, and, you know, Pete continued to, to do, um, you know, uh, brand development and things like that. Um, and working with, uh, another guy named, uh, by the name of Tony Brown, who's been there, uh, almost as long as the company has been around and he was a chef prior and, uh, he, you know, he does a lot of the blend development and stuff like that. And, and, and now they've, you know, they've partnered with all these guys that have started creating custom blends. You know, even Mark Wahlberg has a blend, um, which is, which is pretty rad. Um, and they've been talking about me creating blends. Uh, and 
I wanted to do it for so long, but had so many other things that I was working on. Uh, and I have now officially uh, been able to produce those. Um, our blends are, we're doing three different blends. Um, they're the blends that we use at TT's for all of our barbecue. Um, and those are going to be launching in the next uh, three weeks-ish. Um, and then we're going to start working on Zona Blanca and High Tide blends as well. So basically you could create a chowder or season a chowder with, with a blend or mm-hmm. make an agua chili with a blend and, and so on and so forth. Um, and we're really excited about it, especially, um, you know, more so now than ever with how giant their company is getting, um, you know, this is, this is an opportunity that, um, I don't know if I would have got otherwise. Okay. So my, so to kind of begin to wrap this up, because we want to value your time, I'm going to, I'm going to see if I summarize things correctly. Um, you don't do much. You got a lot of free time and you're not driven. So all kidding aside. Wow. But when you're not doing all of this, what do you do for fun? Well, I, there's a couple things. <laughs> okay. um, I know it's, it's funny, right? Like how do you, how do you have time for doing these things? Um, a couple years ago, I started cycling. Um, uh, I joined a cycling group um, called Chef Cycle and I raised about $40,000 to help uh, feed hungry children in America by doing it. And it was with a partnership with No Kid Hungry. Um, and so I trained on that for about two years and just really fell in love with the sport. There was a, an incredible amount of uh, cycling uh, families, if you will, here in Spokane. Um, and I got on board with that. Um, I, I spend a lot of time that I can uh, with my family traveling and then, you know, as a chef, I love eating out. I try to eat out as many restaurants as I possibly can. Um, and I'm very involved with charity. Um, you know, during uh, COVID, I, I helped co-found an a organization called uh, Spokane Hospitality Coalition, uh, which, uh, you know, you think of like the Washington Hospitality Association as a, a defensive arm for hospitality industries, right. Or businesses. So, you know, they help you with, you know, tax information, legal fees, HR stuff, uh, rebates, helping you save money, helping you maximize your efficiencies, all these different tools. Right. So they're the defensive end. And then we wanted to become the offensive end for, uh, our local industry, specifically here in Spokane. And so we do a lot of marketing events um, that helps drive business to each uh, restaurant that's a part of our group. Um, and it doesn't cost anything for people to be a part of it. They can go to save509.com um, and they just take a pledge. You know, we're, we understand um, a lot of people have different opinions of, of how to operate and things like that. But we understand as, as business owners in this industry, it's in our, it's in our best interest that we protect not only our guests, but our, our, uh, our staff as well. And so we, we ask them, you know, three simple questions of, or requests of just to, you know, follow the rules, you know, whatever the rules are that are out there, let's follow them. Uh, and let's keep our guests and our, and our, our families safe, right? Because our, our staff or our families. We spend more time with our team than we sure. ever do with our actual uh, families at home. So, so yeah, those are the things that I do on my spare time. Um, I just got engaged. 
Congratulations. Like a week ago. Yeah. Pretty wild. The same girl who, uh, you know, tried to calm me down. She has a lot better job now. Or I do a better. So she, she, you didn't run her I off. I didn't run her off. Thank God. She stuck awesome. around. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And I love traveling. I mean, everything okay. that, that I feel like I have right now with my businesses is all came from getting out and understanding different cultures and different experiences. Um, you know, living inside of my box is it's small. Right. So if I could see what's outside of it, I might, I might find something about myself that I didn't know or something that I like that I want to continue to do. So I typically ask some questions. You've kind of covered a lot of them that I typically ask. And I'm going to ask you a question that might be hard because I'm going to ask you to name a specific place. And that might be hard because you are going to, if you're only going to name one, that means you're not naming a whole bunch of other mm-hmm. ones. But I think I can do this. None of your restaurants are breakfast related okay. at this time. Where's a place in Spokane that somebody should go to have breakfast? Chaps. Chaps. Yeah, Chaps Diner. So Chaps uh, is owned by Celeste Shaw. Um, she okay. is very, very involved in the community. She was a trauma nurse turned restaurateur. Um, she has a phenomenal uh, business that started um, with a house that she bought. I believe it was a family member's home. And she put it on a truck, moved it to... Um, Oh gosh, where is it? Where is it located off of? Um, man, I don't know why I can't think right now, but moved it to this neighborhood, um, off of, uh, the 95 and built a restaurant and a bakery and cooked a lot of her, her grandmother's recipes. And over the time that I've been here, uh, she has, remodeled and built it out and it's wild this woman has such a giant heart and so involved in the community that when covid shut her down she did a her grandmother's oatmeal and i kid you not that her she's about a mile away from the highway the the they had escorts like highway patrol escorts because people were lined up all the way from her restaurant down the road under the on-ramp and down the highway waiting to get her product. And, um, her, her product's very good, but her Mm -hmm. restaurant is, is about her. You show up to her place and she recognizes you. She hugs you with the most insane, embracing warm hug, um, and just loves you until you walk out that door, uh, or until you okay. return. And it's, it's phenomenal. And, um, personally there, there are great breakfast places in this city, no doubt about it, but that is the place she has a okay. maple, uh, pecan scone that'll blow your mind. Okay. Here's the last question. Somebody's coming to Spokane for the first time. This is going to be a tough question. I'm warning you, you're not going to like this question. They're they're committed to eating at one of your restaurants. Mm -hmm. Never been to Spokane before. They've never eaten your food before. Which one of your three do you make them go to? I love all my kids. 
Yep. I know. But, I know. But that kid is the reason I have all the other ones. <laughs> right? Okay. Like, all right. Zona that's Blanca, that's a very cool answer. Zona Blanca is. I'm I'm so passionate about it. I'm so excited to reopen this. Uh, when Zona Blanca reopens, that's the place. Right now, it's TTs. Just because it's, okay. it's cool. Because it's open right now right. today. Okay. So what question didn't I ask you? Is there something that I didn't ask you? Is there something that you want to share? Like where can people find you online and whatever it's you get to. Yeah. It's guest choice. Um, if you want to know what's going on on the day to day with us, uh, follow me on Instagram, uh, chef Chad white. Um, you can find out all the information of all of my restaurants on CW hospitality, um, and just, man, come to Spokane. You're going to love it. Just like the two of us love it. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's so funny because I never thought that I'd move back here and okay. I am so glad I did not because of the success that I have. I truly love this city and the community and this community specifically right now during this pandemic has shown that it is the best community in the country. It blows my mind how loving, caring uh, people are and how many will lay their coat down for someone to walk over a puddle. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you so much for being on this episode and I am looking forward to your future success. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. It's been a good talk. All right. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.